And with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Future Tools will try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call. Our number is 291 6901. And you use the area code here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. We sure wish you would. We always appreciate hearing from folks all around town, all around the country, all around the world, wherever you may be. There you go. All you got to have <laughs> is the right codes, right? That and the phone number. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just give us a call. They try to help you out and point you in the right direction. Thought we'd talk a little bit today. Like every week, we try to have some kind of a general topic. Sure. Of course, you're never limited to that particular topic. You can take call any, anything you might have, anything that's interesting. But I thought we'd talk a little bit about dash warning lights and all, because that kind of, as clear as you would think it would be. It's not really. It's really not. <laughs> <laughs> it's like everything else is confusing, and there's a million different variations uh-huh. and so on as that. So we're going to talk about that. And for a few of these first phone calls, we got Jimmy online. Good morning, Jimmy. Hey, good morning, Lewis. And it's funny you you got this topic this morning because that's what I've got. So I well, there you go. Warning to come on. I've got an 08 Nissan Xterra. Uh huh. And the, you crank it up and you go down the road just a couple of hundred yards, and uh, the brake light, mm-hmm. the ABS light, the mm-hmm. VDC light, mm-hmm. and the slip and the slip light comes on. Yes, okay. Mm-hmm. Check engine light. My no, my check engine light doesn't come on. Well, it may or may not eventually come on. Depending, you all of those have a couple things in common, Jimmy. One is. They all require, they have to know the speed of the vehicle. So one of the most common things would be like a vehicle speed sensor. There's going to be three or four on the vehicle, depending on how it's designed. And that tells it how fast the vehicle's moving and how fast it's stopping and all that. And they need that for that calculation. So if it loses one of those inputs, then the first thing it's going to do is going to start throwing those lights on. And maybe the ABS comes on first and trash control can't communicate because it has to go through the ABS. So it comes on and skid. You know, they're all kind of interrelated. All that being said, the diagnostics on it are exactly the same, just like it would be with a check engine light or anything. The first thing you have to do is have a scan tool that's capable of going into the chassis module. In other words, you've got the PCM, the power control module, controls emissions and all that. That's your check engine light. But all yeah, I took it. I took it, it by auto, yeah. I'm sorry, auto jump, mm-hmm. and, and they put their machine on Right. And he, he couldn't put. He said nothing was wrong with it. I well, said, well, no, it's, well, it's not that nothing's module. wrong with it. It's He's just checking a, the wrong system. Yeah, they not right. they're not right. capable. You know, just one of these little OBD2 code readers is not going to get to that. You got to have the right, right. tool, and right. you got to know what you're what doing. That so little, there will be a code stored in the chassis control module, and it'll say something like loss of speed sensor, left front, or whatever. Now, that doesn't mean the sensor's bad. One of the very common causes on that is the wires under there get corroded or. The connections uh, get corroded. The wires yeah, you get run over something in the road pulled. and pull one loose or break it or who knows what. You'd have to go in first, find out what the code is, see, interpret what that code means. Then you have to go start doing some tests to see is it really getting a signal. If it's not, where is it dropping out? So it's just like diagnosing anything else. You know, there's going to be a code as a starting point. Then you have to manually go in and check all the components that that code relates to. And then you'll come up with it. Most of the time, it's not too big of a deal. I guess the biggest deal on that is like one of the modules themselves go out, and that does occasionally happen. And yeah, it could with, be the transmission or anything, could it? Not very not likely. likely. I mean, I wouldn't say absolutely not, but that would almost every time throw a check engine light because the transmission is controlled by the power control module or oh, transmission okay. control okay. module. So very likely it's going to be something, one of the inputs to uh, the module. It could possibly be one of the modules themselves. You know, I had one come in, and it, through a code for the uh, left front speed sensor. Well, the guy goes by the sensor, puts it on there, well, it's still off. Well, then he changes the wiring harness going to the sensor, well, it's still on. 
and come to find out the module itself had gone bad and just couldn't see that sensor, even though it was there. Right, right. So you don't want to just throw parts at it because you eat up a fair amount of money pretty quick, but you need to get yeah. to someone with proper tooling and, and experience to know what it is. They can go in, read the code, tell you what it is, and then you know you can make a decision whether you want to fix it or whether you want to just put up with it or whatever. You know, fortunately, if you're in Louisiana, that's not necessary for your inspection sticker. That was my next question. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Emissions control codes are necessary to get an inspection, but right. but since that's but an I, add-on system, it's not necessary to get an inspection sticker. Okay, well, I just want you to give me some kind of idea what it might be mm-hmm. because I called Elizabeth yesterday and she told me to bring it in the all Monday. So yeah, I'll, well, I'll, well I'll, once I'll, we check it, we can tell you what it is, and a few simple good. tests, we can tell you exactly what it is. Good. All right. Well, thank you for your time. All right, I Jimmy. Appreciate it. Nice call. Thank thank you. Bye bye. All right, two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number. Going to party all the time. We'd love to have you. Going back to our line with David. Good morning, David. Good morning, guys. How are y'all doing? Doing wonderful, doing great. Sir. Great. Well, I know this weather is not the ideal AC question uh-huh. uh, weather, but um, I have a two thousand four Sierra twenty five hundred. Okay. And especially when I'm idling or parked, the AC will kind of. The cold air will kind of back off, and every now and then it'll make a little hissing noise. Is that something where maybe the condenser needs to be cleaned, or probably think? probably not? I mean, it is possible, but probably not. A number of things can cause that, David. One would be if it's a little bit low on charge, it'll cause that exact symptom because when the compressor's turning faster, it's producing enough pressure to keep it working but when it goes to idle the pressures are going to drop because it's turning slower so if it's a little low anyway and it's kind of marginalized then it's the, the the cooling is going to start going away the hissing is generally you're starting to flash in the lines before you get into the evaporator course while you're hearing it but that's not the only thing i mean as you alluded to if the condenser were dirty enough it could affect that if one of the cooling fans is not working not working fully it could affect that even on the Chevy pickup, if the idle were too low, it could cause that because on Chevy, it watches the idle. And I think the preferred idle, it was around 600, seven, 550, seven, 700, somewhere between five and seven. If it drops down a little bit below the prescribed idle, the PCM is going to kill the compressor because it doesn't want it to lug the motor down. So I've seen stuff as simple as like cleaning the throttle body fix that problem. Now, the last thing in the world you'd want to do is go and add some more refrigerant to it because you can destroy the entire system like that. The only way to know if it's low on charge, David, is to go in, vacuum the system, measure the charge that's in there, and if it's low, then you'll know. But you can't just go in and add it because even reading the pressures won't tell you definitively if you got enough charge in there or not. So you're going to need to probably get that to someone, let them do some diagnostic work on it, and you know then you can take from there if you want to fix it yourself you could probably do it but i mean certainly cleaning the condenser you could do yourself it's not gonna hurt a thing i would probably do that anyway probably won't fix it but who knows same thing with the fans you can look at them see if it look like they're coming on at full speed and all that but again you know more likely you're gonna end up having to bring that to someone have me evacuate the system and check the charge on it and you're probably a little bit low normally when you're low well always when you're low you're gonna have, you have a leak, leak somewhere because it wasn't low when it was built so you have to find the leak one of the most common places to leak on a Chevy pickup truck is the charge ports. There's two little ports where you hook your gauges up. Those are notorious for leaking. And in fact, we almost change those every time because they're cheap as dirt. I think they're four or five dollars a piece. Usually anytime we charge one, even check it, we change those two charge ports because they're real bad about going out. All right, guys. All right. I appreciate it. Okay, man. Thanks for calling, David. All right. Bye bye. 
All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I would love to have you. You know, on the later model uh, Chevys, the condenser was bad about the crack. condenser line would crack. Yes. And lose the charge would run out. That was a pattern fail in those. Uh, I say it's bad design. GM never admitted to it. But, well, yeah, they would just it would crack. The condenser yep. cell would crack. And it would lose charge. And when it did, obviously, it would start. First, it would just warm up like when you go to idle. But uh-huh. later, it would just quit cooling altogether. Sure. So, yes, yeah, one of those things, kind of like we talked about last week, too. You know, with the weather getting cooler, a lot of people are tempted to say, well, I'll just wait till next year to right. get that fixed. But that's not really a good idea. It is not. Particularly if you have a leak in it, because when the refrigerant leaks out, moisture and air leak in, which can do a tremendous amount of damage when well, sitting it, all winter long. It can start a corrosion process that you may not ever fix. Right, and then you're going to end up with a much bigger repair bill when it comes due next, next summer. Next summer, yeah. Yeah. Let's go back to our phone lines. we got Amy on the line. Good morning, Amy. Hi. Um, I have a 2017 Toyota Corolla. Uh-huh. And when it's on cruise control, if you come to a spot in the road where you need to decelerate, the RPMs stick up to like five or 6,000. And I called the dealership, and they said that that was, they, that was normal. It was part of how it's supposed to work. But does that seem a little excessive to y'all? Well, you sure it's five or 6,000 and not five, 600? Because five or six thousand, that engine would really be just screaming. I mean, it's like maxing out. Yes, yes, and it's maxing out like on the red. Wow. Uh, well, no, that five or six thousand is no. definitely because that's close to the red line for that engine. It, it can't even run that fast. Certainly, that's it, not normal. No. It's. Uh, they told me it was something to do with the something speed transmission, and that's just. Well, it's a constantly, well, it mean constantly variable transmission in it, constantly variable. It yes, that's changed what they gear. called it. Yeah, but it, no, no, not, not five or six thousand. I mean, I would make sure if five or six hundred maybe could be, and, and you know, sometimes those things are labeled like. Does it, it have a tachometer in it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you can see it. Does the needle swing all the way over or does it just yes. jump up a little bit? No, it swings. Well, if it's swinging, it's. Yeah, it's, if it's swinging all the way over to yeah, a little where, five, you're at the end where it's red, that'll yes. be. Yeah, if it's getting that high, no, that Something's is definitely wrong. not. No. Yeah. It, I mean, it might jump off five or six hundred when it releases out of lockup or something like that. But no, it should certainly shouldn't go to five or six, five thousand RPM. Uh, that's some okay. kind of a malfunction. Uh, you should be close to still being under warranty on that, I would think. Yes, I have fifty-seven thousand miles on. It. Yeah, I would yeah, definitely I would, get that back. I would hold their feet to the fire. Actually, speak to the service manager, and if the service manager can't give you any kind of help with it, then I'd actually speak to the zone manager for Toyota. Because I, I took a video of it and everything, and how it, when it really does it is we were in Natchez, and especially uh-huh. going down hills like that. I mean, I, I eventually just kick the brake and just cut it off because I just don't think it's normal to no, run it up no, like No, no, definitely not that high. Okay. All, All right. right. Well, thank you very much. Okay, Amy, thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, take our first quick little break. We'll be right back with a whole lot more in the Automotive Hour. If you ever plan to move west, Mimi, your hair is so cute. Who cuts it? Oh, thanks. I got a guy for you. Here's his card. It just says Fallon. Oh, no. It's Fallon. Well, uh, Fallon doesn't have a number on his card. I know. Appointments with Fallon are referral only. But I must cut a lock of your hair. Deliver it to Fallon. He will put it under his pillow for a week, and your style and cut will come to him in a vision. Seems like old Fallon has quite a gig going. Today, everybody's got a guy. If you're looking for an automotive guy, 
guy. Think Agco Automotive. No complications, just quality maintenance and repairs you can trust. And with Agco's general inspection, they complete an annual checkup to diagnose problems and schedule maintenance so you can budget for the year and keep your car in tip-top shape. So, how much does Fallon charge for a cut? That will come to him in a vision, too. Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Just join us at the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersand, with Mr. Brian Terry. Sure appreciate you spending your Saturday morning with us. And if you got a question or a comment, you just give us a call. We're going back to our phone with Jim. Good morning, Jim. Hey, good morning. How you doing? Um, I got a 2002 Chevy Silverado with okay. the V6. Same truck I got. <laughs> oh, you got the V6? Too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got 240,000 miles yeah. on it. I've done lots of work to it. I kept everything up, like you guys say. Mm-hmm. Bucket stuff breaks, and <laughs> yeah, fixed. eventually it will. But um, now in the morning, like the first start, it takes probably seven, eight seconds to start. It just starts. Okay, okay. Runs good and perfect after that. Yeah, just- most of the time, Jim, what that is, the fuel pump has a check valve in it. And because that thing has that central got pop it injection, yeah, injection. What'll happen? Those injectors will start to bleed down when it sits, and when it does, it kind of floods the motor and also drops the fuel pressure down. So fuel pressure has to come all the way back up to the front, and it has to clear the flood before it's going to start. What you might try is if you got a fuel pressure gauge or access to a fuel pressure gauge, you can put that on it, and that'll tell you right off the top. There's a port right there on the fuel rail. Mm-hmm. You just take it off and but screw the gauge down. It's pretty easy. If to... you don't have any kind of equipment. I have to wait overnight, like leave it at my mechanic overnight? Uh, not necessarily. No, what you might also try, Jim, next time you go to start it, when you're pretty sure it's going to do it, just turn the key to on, but don't not go start, and leave it there for about a second or two. Turn it off. Wait about five, six seconds. Do it again. Do that two or three times and see if it starts right off. Oh, okay. So and, and if do it does, it, fuel pump. Yeah, yeah. not it, necessarily. It, not necessarily, but if that fixes it, you're more likely into the fuel pump. Because what happens each time you cycle that ignition, the pump will run for a second or two and it'll cut off. So if you cycle it three or four times, it'll push the fuel up. Now, if you do that and it starts right up, then it's more likely the fuel pump is bleeding down in, into the tank, okay? If it does not start still, then you're more likely into injectors or bleeding down into the intake. And that you'd have to pull the follow body off and look down in there, and you can see the excess fuel inside the thing. You'll see a clean spot where the gas has been running. And And if that is the case, don't even try to fix that old pop-in injection. injection. GM has come out with a fix for that, and what it does is a conversion set that will just bolt right in there, plug right in the original connectors, and it will convert it over to port injection. And it'll run better and get better. Uh, it's kind of expensive. I think the, the kit's about 500 bucks, And you got to pull the upper intake off. But, yeah. I mean, it'll fix the problem. That old port injection, if, I mean, that old uh, pop-it injection, even if you could get the parts, would cost more than that. And still, it, it was a bad setup to start with. I mean, so, um, like my mechanic could get something like that? Oh, sure. absolutely. All sure. you go to GM, just tell them you want the conversion set. And there's a the conversion set for the injector. Correct. Not it's, pop it, not no, it's, it. it's going to have little injectors on it. And there's a bracket that's changed. I want to say the the kit's probably around five hundred bucks for all the stuff. It blow it's gonna bolt right in. It's gonna hook probably the same connector, the same computer runs it. You don't have to even program it. Everything's gonna run exactly the same, except it's gonna run better and get better mileage and, and, and be a whole lot better off. But well, he's an ASE um, specialist. Yeah, it's simple. Yeah, it's I mean, anybody it. can do that job. It's, it, you can probably do it yourself. It's pretty simple. But you want to do that test first because if the fuel pressure bleeds down, it doesn't mean it's the pump because it could be either one. 
next thing you got to pull throttle by and check fuel injection. But if you do that little test where you just turn the key on, turn it off a couple of times, if it starts right up, yeah. then it's most likely going to be the fuel pump. Okay. Because that's and, not going to clear the flood. That, that doesn't mean the fuel pump's bad or nothing. Well, it's going to be the check valve in the fuel pump that's bad. Oh. It'll still run fine, but it's just the gas is going to bleed back down every time. But to get yeah. to it, it's the okay. same process. Same process, same repair. Because you can't buy just yeah. a check valve. Okay, well, I'm not too scary today. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. All right, I appreciate it. Thanks All right. for calling, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, we're going back to our phone lines. We've got Keith on the line. Good morning, Keith. Hi, how are y'all doing? Doing great, sir. Good morning. i got a question. i got a Toyota Corolla 2011 LE. Okay. And uh, recently the car has been on a trip to the far side of Louisiana, and when it comes back, it's starting to have some training problems. I uh, checked the fluid... And a friend of mine told me that if it's burnt or dark, it needs to be flushed and changed. Well, no. If it's burnt, Keith, is not. you yeah, got, you got a problem. Now, if it's just dark, yes, it would need to be changed. Never flushed. A flush is what you call a wallet flush. That's just something that somebody charges you for. It doesn't do any good. The service on that, when you would drop the pan, replace the fluid, and replace the filter, and put it back together, that's how you would service it. Now, if the fluid is dark, you know, that is kind of normal. It gets dark over time. But if it's burnt, like if it's black and you it smell smells. it and it smells burnt like burnt popcorn, yeah. it's generally too little too late. I mean, if you drop the pan, there's going to be some metal in the pan, and, and that's pretty much the, that tells you for certain. Okay. Can I bring it by? And I, this is not something I can do. I was wondering if I could bring it by y'all's place and get looked at. Oh, absolutely. We do it all the time. And I can just look at the fluid and give you a pretty good idea. And if you want to confirm it, we can drop the pan. And if it's burnt and you don't want to put a transmission in well you just put the pan back on because changing fluid is not gonna do any good you know that's a symptom that's not the problem and you know we can tell you that and i mean i can fix it regardless most of the time on the toyotas like that particularly a reasonably late model one if the transmission were bad we'd probably try to find a good used transmission because those are very expensive new and they hardly ever go bad so getting a good used one is usually a real good alternative you know if it was a chevrolet suburban and the transmission went out and you had 150,000 miles then most of the used ones you're gonna get are gonna be just bad as one you got but on that one they just don't go out very often so yeah basically just by pulling dipstick looking at the fluid smelling i can give you a pretty good idea and then by dropping the pan i can tell you conclusively well i'm kind of just assuming that it's burnt because it doesn't smell i haven't smelled a whole lot of transmission fluid but well you, you'll know no yeah. you'll know it'll be a very distinct it'll, you know what burnt popcorn smells like you ever burn a batch of popcorn uh-huh. Yeah, it's gonna yeah. smell. It'll be very strong and very pungent. Yeah. Yeah, you, okay. you won't miss it. So if you don't smell anything, if it just smells like oil, then it's probably just dark. And I would certainly do a service and see if that doesn't clear it up. I mean, it could be too little, too late, but a lot of times service will help that. Okay. Alrighty. Thank you. I really appreciate the info. Okay. All right. Thanks, call, man. Bye-bye. All right. Bye bye. All right. Two nine one sixty nine oh one is the number. You're part of the automotive hour. That's one of those things that you got to watch because some people particularly shops, throw those words around burnt and dark. Dark, yeah. And even the word dark is sort of a... It's a vague it's for a transmission fluid. It's a very vague fluid. term because a lot of the newer Toyotas that carry the WS fluid, that fluid is dark. It's already dark in the bottle Almost when it's like new. dark purple. When yeah. it's, it's not the bright red like some of the older fluids were. And when it gets old, it can turn darker. That's sure. not necessarily a symptom of a problem. It is not. Now, if you got a number of miles, like with Keith, if he has a hundred plus thousand miles, it's time to service it regardless. And certainly, I would suggest doing a service first because you can drop the pan. If there's no metal in the pan, you know you're pretty well off. Well, you cut the filter you open. Needed, you needed to service anyway. Right. Do that, and odds are it's going to fix your problem. 
Because, like I said, they just don't have much problems with those transmissions. Well, and after that kind of mileage, the additives go away and things they do. start happening. Well, they, they need changing regardless. Right. So it's not like you're doing something for nothing. It gives you a tremendous amount of insight. It's a service you needed anyway, and a fairly high likelihood that it may just fix the whole problem. Exactly. You know, we get that a lot on the Ford pickups, the newer six-speeds, have a real problem. And I think Ford revised. At one time, it was saying 100,000 miles, and it went 50. And I don't know if they're not down to 30 now on the service recommendation. But what will happen, it'll start shuddering when uh-huh. it goes in a lockup. Now, if you catch it early enough, you can generally go in, drop the pan, change the fluid, change the filter, torque the valve body bolts, put it back together, and you got a pretty good chance it's going to fix it. Yep. But if you let it go on for 20,000 miles, well, it's going to then start the causing damage. that torque converter are probably going to come apart. They're going to get in the transmission. They're going to take everything else. And you're basically going to be into a transmission at that point. Well, and your Chevrolet Silverados, same issue. Well, well it's the same, same speed, transmission, basically. Six and the eight speed. Yeah, the, yeah uh, they have a lot of trouble with torque converters coming apart. They though. do. And when the torque converter comes apart, it fills the system full of metal, which includes all the cooler lines, the cooler, the auxiliary cooler. Well, and the auxiliary cooler on those is either part of the radiator on the later models is part of the air conditioning condenser exactly so not only you buy a transmission you having to recharge the air conditioning change the condenser and all that stuff right it's not just a transmission anymore right and if you don't change all that gm well, is not going to warrant a new transmission well, no. I, because there's no way to flush it there's not, no way to get any of that stuff out well, all of it out you got all this stuff now oh, we're going to flush this we're going to flush that that is a micro fin condenser right the holes in it are so tiny that barely the fluid can pass through it and you're not going to flush the metal no. out of it. And if you put that all back together with that brand new transmission, as soon as that fluid starts to wash that, you know, it's not going to come out right away. Right. But it's going to eventually come out. It's going right back through. Yeah. It's going right back into that new unit. As soon as it hits that new unit, you're going to be into another transmission. Right. So, yeah, that's uh, one of those things where you're, you're actually seeing those things total the vehicle because there's so many components that have to be replaced. Right. Instead of individual components, they've built them all into one component now. Right. Right, so anyway, just the world we live in. Yep. Hey, one more quick little break. We'll be right back with a whole lot more. Linda, I've been so tense lately. Can you recommend a masseuse? Ooh, have I got a massage guy. Johan Thundercloud. He's Swedish Native American who uses classic deep tissue massage with natural healing methods. That sounds interesting. His deep tissue green pine cone massage is amazing. Along with the piercing eagle claw technique. Working your muscles with a rhythmic screech. When you hear that, you know it's working. I bet. It seems everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for an automotive guy, check out the team at Agco Automotive. We keep it simple with high-quality maintenance and repairs you can trust. And don't forget about Agco's general inspection, an annual checkup to diagnose problems and schedule maintenance so your car will perform for the long term. One thing, though. Do you bleed easily? What? Johan will want to know. Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldezan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call. It's 291-6901. And should you happen to miss your prime opportunity to get a live answer this morning, you can always go to our website and get your questions answered that way. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. It's Click the button, a little form's going to pop up, and fill it out, and hit the send button. There you go. Couldn't be any easier than that. And, of course, if you want to call in today, you can get a live answer. There you go. That's <laughs> why we're here. That's right. Talking today a little bit about warning lights and uh-huh. what they mean and 
trying to kind of understand because there's so many of them nowadays that it's really kind of hard to understand. It really is. A lot of times. But as a general rule, and there's probably an exception just somewhere, I'm sure. but a general rule, if you look at the color codes on the lights, it'll give you some idea of importance of importance or criti- criticality, I okay. guess. If the light is orange, that generally is going to mean, or yellow, that's going to mean caution. And uh-huh. words, get it looked at as soon as possible. But if that light is red, it generally means this is an event where you have He's, to stop the vehicle right now. Exactly. You cannot, like, for instance, the oil pressure light is red. Uh-huh. This is not something, well, get it checked out next time you get a chance. Or the overheating light. It's you, red. You don't get it checked next time you get to it. you got to stop the car. Exactly. Red generally means stop, just like a stop sign is red. Uh-huh. Yellow is kind of like a caution light. It doesn't is. mean disregard, just bust on through. Well, and the exception would be a blinking yellow light. Mm-hmm. Now, when the check engine light starts blinking, you have critical things happening now that could virtually wipe an engine out. Well, cause a lot more problems. So they put a check engine light is most 90% of the things that make it come on are not going to be critical. Uh-huh. They're important, but they're not critical. So they made the light yellow. However, if you get a misfire, that is critical. So they can't put another light just for misfire and run out of place to put lights. So it starts to flash. Exactly. So when a yellow light is flashing, yes, that does require immediate attention. It's not something you should put off because you're going to do so at your own Well, you're uh, going to start damaging other peril. components. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go back to our phones. we got Randy online. Good morning, Randy. Good morning. Yes, sir. Uh, i got a comment about the individual that had the 2002 Chevrolet. Uh-huh. I got, the, I got a 2004 with a six cylinder, I got the same problem. Mm-hmm. And when I get in, I turn the key on for just a minute or just a few seconds. Right. Turn it off, turn it back on, and it cranks right up. Right. That's generally going to be the fuel pump is bleeding back into the fuel tank. Randy, the, the biggest reason to address that is because once that pump starts to fail, it's probably going to fail completely at some point. When it fails completely, it's going to quit running. I mean, if you say, well, I don't mind turning the key on and do it, I can keep on driving. You probably can drive for a while. But eventually, I know my truck did the same exact thing, and I didn't want to be stranded, so I went ahead and replaced the pump. I've always wondered, you know, what someone could have done is put an auxiliary check valve, say, in the fuel filter, because the filter's real easy to replace. You could have popped that in line and solved the problem for a tenth the price of changing the fuel pump, but... I, had a, oh, I came up with the idea, and I up somebody else to build it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but, yeah, you could take fuel filter. I just had a check valve and fuel filter. It would do the same exact thing. But I got to say, how many miles you got on it? About 175. Yeah, original yeah. pump? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know how to do yourself. Yeah, it's tired anyway. I think I would go ahead and replace it before it leaves me stranded somewhere. I mean, if you're only in town, never, ever get on the road, and you're never in a critical situation where it breaks, you can call somebody and you can get towed to the shop. But, I mean, at very least, you're going to have to tow it somewhere if it, if it leaves you on the road. So that's why I had probably half the price of the fuel pump. I think I would probably just go ahead and replace it. Yeah, I'm in a wheelchair, so, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, going to be a big, big deal for you then if, if it does break yeah. down. So, yeah, they either – the way we replace them, we drop the tank from underneath. we got a big jack, and we got lifts and all that. Some people take the bed off and get to it from the top. Either way works. It's just personal preference. I mean, in a shop, it's pretty Depends easy on to what drop equipment it. you got. Yeah. Some people don't what, have – they got three or four buddies that can lift that bed off, but they don't have a jack that can take that tank out from the bottom. So, uh, what kind of, About what kind of price am I looking at? It's pretty expensive because the pump itself, a good pump, Delco right. OEM pump, is going to probably hit you somewhere around 350 to 400 bucks. 
the labor on it is probably about Couple two, hours. two and a half hours yeah. labor. So, yeah, it's going to be fairly solid. I mean, not thousands, but several hundred. Okay. All right. I'll try to get it in to you. Okay. Then. Sounds great. Right. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks All right. Call, Thank man. you. Bye-bye. All right. 291-6901 is the number. You want to party all the hour? We'd love to have you. It's one of those things that, you know, if you don't mind being broke down, let's right. say you put around town in this truck, you never really go anywhere, or it's a farm truck or something, it stays on the farm. It breaks down, you go get a tractor, you pull it back to the barn, you change it, you can do it yourself. Well, sure. yeah, you can put it off if you want to. But when they start doing stuff like that, they're on their way out. It's sure, already, it's, part it's, of it has already failed. It's a it's an early warning system, basically, is what's going on with yeah, it. It's you, just letting you know, hey, it's tired, we're starting to have problems. Yeah. You're going to be in a bind soon. If you're in a situation like that gentleman where he's in a wheelchair, well, that could be a really bad thing. Well, if sure. it breaks down, you know, if you're impaired in one way or another, or if you just... Like me, I, you well, know, every I, time you get in a truck, you're going somewhere. Yeah, and I'm close to 70 years old. I don't want to go crawl in that truck or have to fight with it or, or any of that kind of stuff. Well, I'm, I'm generally dressed in fairly nice clothes. I don't want to have to. That's pretty much my job. Yeah, there you go. That's, I bring in, <laughs> hey, Brian, pick my truck. <laughs> yep. So, anyway, we're talking about check, check engine, engine lights and all dash lights, all warning uh-huh. lights. And you can notice that some of them are going to just be yellow or orange. And, and right. like I said, those mean it's not that it's unimportant it's just not critical right you just don't caution. have to do anything at that moment the exception of course being if it's flashing right and that means you got a misfire and the dangerous thing with a misfire is at that point it could be something like a bad ignition call it could be something like a bad spark plug it could be any number of things a vacuum leak but if you allow it to misfire what a misfire means is that the injector has fired fuel's gone into the cylinder but the spark doesn't go off so now you've got a raw charge of fuel. When the exhaust valve opens, that gas is going out the tailpipe. Straight into the converter. Right. you got a catalytic converter that normally runs 12, eight, 800, 1,200 degrees. Right. You start dumping raw gasoline in there, that temperature is going to shoot up to 2,000 degrees, and it's just going to destroy it. Right. It's just going to melt it down. And it doesn't take long. I mean, normally about a day of driving would miss Pretty much wipe it and out. And it, it'll wipe it out a lot less if it was already weak. And catalytic converters on some vehicles are extremely expensive. They're or, not cheap on anything. Or non-existent. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, too. On older vehicles now, the OEM has discontinued them. You can't right. get the original equipment ones. So now you're stuck with an aftermarket. And there usually, are better and worse aftermarket ones. And usually the aftermarket ones are cut and fit instead of a bolt-in like the original was. So you have extra labor to have it installed. And it's not really a – the part isn't – as well no, built as no, the original not one. Not at all. I had a fellow one time that brought, he had an older Chevrolet. We put an aftermarket converter on it, and it lasted about three years, and it went out again. Uh-huh. And he was kind of miffed about it. Well, why did go out the first one last? I said, well, the first one was a GM original converter, exactly. and it cost $1,200. This one cost $300. You know, and it's an right. aftermarket. It's not going to last as long as the original. It's not as good. Well, why did you put that on? I said, because that is all you can get. Right. The original is no longer available. You have to go with this. So, you know, it's just one of those things. And, of course, if you add to that anything like the engine gets old, it starts burning oil. Well, now you got some oil going into the sure. shirt. That, again, is going to cause a short, shortened life on it. If you get a misfire and you continue to drive it, that's going to take it out. I mean, any number of things. Heaven help you if you have an overheat and your head gas starts to leak a little bit. Now you got coolant going into it. Right. Converters don't like any of those stuff. No, they're, they're only designed, designed to work with air and gases. Exactly. And that's how, and they run extremely hot anyway, so it doesn't take a whole, whole lot of damage. And they're made out of ceramic and platinum right. and stuff like that, so it's a pretty fragile thing anyway. 
Another thing with a converter is if you hit a big enough bump, you can rupture that ceramic in it. And you bottom out or run over something. Mm-hmm. I've it's, seen them. I've seen them drop before they were installed. Yeah, and break the the uh, media loose in them. Correct. And like, rattle. The guy at the parts store dropped it, and it may not fail immediately, but it's going to fail. Sure, because it was all ceramic in there, and he maybe got a crack in the ceramic. So you yeah. never know. Yeah, go. But again, talking about warning lights and and such as that, and there are so many lights now. There are some of the acronyms you're not even going to understand. Stuff like TCS is traction control system, mm-hmm. but they have like lane departure warnings, and they have stuff that just did not exist before, maybe four or five years ago. Right. And so there's just any number of lights. Anytime a light comes on, first thing, look at the color. If it's orange or yellow, then you need to get it address as soon as possible mm-hmm. if it's red you need to stop the vehicle right then now if you go to the least red book in the entire world which is manual. owner's manual yep. <laughs> it's generally if you look up warning light it's generally going to have a list of all the different it lights is. on your car and i believe it even tells you the color it probably does and, and and most time it'll tell you what to do if it's critical if or if it's just important a lot of things that you have like the tire pressure monitoring system Generally, that's going to be fairly standardized, like a little exclamation point mm-hmm. a lot of times. So if that comes on, it either means you got a low tire or one of the sensors has gone bad. Right. So the first thing, obviously, is to go and check the air in all the tires. Now, if all the tires have the right amount of air in them, don't freak out. It just means the system's got a malfunction in it because only one light. On certain models. Right. On certain vehicles, they have two lights for the tire monitor. Mm-hmm. They have the original, the one you're used to looking at. Right. And then they have one that says TN- TPMS. <laughs> okay. And that when that light comes on, that means there's a problem with the system. Malfunction of the system. But when the, the light that you're used to seeing that looks like a little tire with the exclamation right. mark means you have a low tire. Or you should on, have a low tire. On certain models. Because, again, if the sensor goes bad, it may tell it it's got it's a low, got a low tire, tire, even though it doesn't. Exactly. Now, another thing with TPMS, you got to watch. If you got too much air in a tire, some tires will kick it on because, you know, some vehicles will kick it on because it's got too much air. Correct. I, a guy kept putting air in his tires because he thought they were low, and the light just stayed on. It would have had too much air in them. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a to, there's a, a tolerance, right? A upper level a range and a lower range, and that will be in your owner's manual. I always like to run a little more air in my tires. I like to be ten percent under the maximum, but on, on the some tires, cars, tire. yeah, on the tires. You know, if the maximum on the sidewall of the tire says forty four psi, then I want to be around forty because mm-hmm. I get better tire life. Now the the placard on the car door may say thirty two, right? That's to give it a good ride, and that's enough air to support the weight of the car. But I like to run more because I can get better life out of my tires. Some cars, you're not going to have that option. If no, you you're put not. more air in it, the light may come on for that reason. I have seen that several times. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing about these lights, virtually every light on your car, when it comes on, a code is active in memory somewhere. Stored in one of the modules. One of the modules, and there's about 70 different modules on the car. Exactly. So if you go to a parts store and they read it, it doesn't mean nothing's wrong. It just but, means they're not reading the proper module, like the first caller we had today. Right. Most of the time, they can only read the PCM. Well, the, the OBD2 engine, data. The engine uh, data. Right. Engine trans data. A lot of, you know, you got body computers. You have suspension computers. Transmission computers. All kinds of things, different modules that right. store codes in different systems. Yep. All right, we'll take our final little break. We'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. 
Hey, Mike, I'm thinking about boiling some shrimp. You know where I can get a good price? Oh, yeah. I got a shrimp guy, but there's a catch. His name is Remy Labateau, and you have to go down to Lafouche Parish and meet him after midnight. Okay. He'll be behind the dumpster of an abandoned fireworks stand off Louisiana 1, and you have to buy exactly 50.3 pounds. Well, that's oddly specific. It seems everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for an automotive guy, look no further than the team at Agco Automotive. No hassles, just straight up quality maintenance and repairs. And with Agco's general inspection, they can perform an annual checkup to find any problems and schedule maintenance to keep your car running right, saving you money in the long run. So what kind of seasoning do you use? Oh, I got a seasoning guy too. How do you feel about traveling to Bangkok? Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of Automotive Iron. Your host, Louis Alzan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our general manager, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call. It's 291-6901. Still got a few minutes to get a question in. There you go. Talking a little bit about warning, warning lights, lights and such as that. And, of course, the biggest mistake i guess that folks do is they'll get a light they'll take it somewhere he'll read a code and they go change whatever part the code indicates uh-huh and that very rarely i guess sometimes maybe sometimes, get lucky. It, sometimes it works well like i said blind hog you can find an acorn every once in a while there you go but rarely is it going to fix it and a lot of times the parts that the people who do those kind of free checks for are going to say are not going to be near about no. up to the standards of the part you're taking off. Exactly. So you may be putting a worse part on, creating a whole separate issue. But some of the more common lights that you'll see, obvious check engine light is probably the most common uh-huh. light. And while we're on check engine lights, one point I want to make is just because that light is on and the next time you get in the car and crank it up, the light goes out, right. does not mean the problem is fixed. No, it doesn't mean it's fixed. It's just that that light, you got one light, and it's checking about, 2,000 different things. Yeah. So it can't execute every single test on every single drive cycle because you just don't drive the car long enough. So it starts to run tests, and there are several criteria for running certain tests. Sure. So under certain conditions, a test may not run. If it does not run on two or three consecutive drive cycles, the light may go out. It's just going to be the next time those criteria are met, then the light's coming right back on. We get that all the time. The check engine light comes on, and then they'll make an appointment. A couple of days later, they'll call back. Well, it's off. So I'm, okay. I'm okay. Well, now I'm just telling you, you might want to bring it in because it's coming back on. Oh, mm-hmm. no, no, I'm okay. Okay, fine. Well, Two days a couple later, later, hey, can I, yeah. can I bring it in today? No, no, that appointment's been refilled. You know? Right. So now you got a situation where they're riding around with the light on and all that kind of thing. The thing is, let's just say one of the most common tests are that fails is the EVAP test. Sure. Now, Evaporative emissions is a very, very, very complex system. Anything that causes the tank not to hold a vacuum or to hold pressure or to think that it's not holding vacuum or holding pressure is going to fire that light off. Right. And there's probably 100, 200 different things that can do that. Anyone can do that. But the criteria for running that test is the fuel tank has to be under a quarter full or over three-quarters full. So it has to be in that range to run that test. Right. Well, so well, if it's it under, over a quarter or under three-quarters, Right. Yeah, and it also has to be a certain temperature because if the fuel is too hot, like it's been sitting out in the hot sun, it may abort that test sure. because as fuel gets hot, it starts to produce pressure, which can interfere with the test. So it's going to wait until the ambient temperature and the fuel temperature are roughly the same. It's going to have to have more than a quarter tank, less than three-quarters of a tank, 
it may have to be a cold start. Sure. In other words, it's going to look at the engine temperature and it's going to look at the coolant temperature and they may have to match to determine this is a cold start because they didn't want to run it on a hot engine. And there may be a bunch more besides you may have to run a certain distance. So let's say you get up in the morning and you've got a half a tank of fuel, you crank the car up and you drive it, oh, three or four miles. Okay, you got your cold start, you got the right amount of fuel, the fuel temperature's right, but you didn't drive it far enough. It didn't get a chance to run that test. So it didn't finish the test. So it cuts off. Now, next time you get in it, the engine's already warmed up, so it's not going to run the test. Right. You drive it four or five times, and now the fuel drops down below a quarter tank. The light's still not going to come on because now it's below a quarter of a tank. Mm-hmm. So you drive it around maybe three or four days, light doesn't come on. You go still fill the up. tank. Well, now you got a full tank. So it's still not going to come on. So it may stay off for a week. When it gets to three-quarters of a tank, sees a cold start, right conditions, right fuel temperature, bam, light comes comes back on. on. The problem was never fixed. No. It's just Just that it wasn't wasn't executing the test. Now, does that mean it can't be fixed? No, because what happens, it turns the light off, but it moves the code to history. So the code is still in history. So you can still fix the car. Right. You so, can still access the information because it not only does it store the code, but it stores what, stores what they call a freeze frame data. Uh, on later model vehicles. Which is all, everything that was happening during when, when the light came on, it recorded everything that happened on both sides of it. Mm-hmm. A few seconds on both sides. So you have that information stored so it's accessible with the right scan tool. Right. But the fact that the light comes and goes is perfectly normal for the system. It doesn't mean it's fixing itself and it keeps breaking again. Right. Yeah, that's not the case. And another thing along those lines, but a little different, let's say you've got a check engine light on and you go get it checked and it's one thing. Well, you continue to drive it, light keeps coming on, eventually it's time for your inspection sticker, so you go to the shop to get it fixed. Well, now, there's only one light. Right. And you were ignoring it. So there may be three more things that have occurred since the first occurrence. The light was already on, you were ignoring it, you don't know. So let's say you go back and let's just say you had a bad oxygen sensor. You had it diagnosed. It was bad oxygen. You decide not to fix it. Mm-hmm. Well, you go in six months later. So, okay, I'm ready to get that oxygen sensor put on there. Well, it may not be as simple as that because number one, other things could have occurred. For instance, that bad oxygen sensor now caused the catalytic converter to fail. So now you have a below efficiency code, right? You got a converter and a efficiency, uh, in cat. Uh, uh-huh. uh, so when you put the O2 sensor, then the light's still on. Correct. Or it comes back on again shortly thereafter. Well, a good job. doesn't mean the shop did anything wrong. It's just that if you went and said put an oxygen sensor on it, and it did, then you misdiagnosed the problem yourself, and they did what you told them to do. Well, and a good shop is going to check the codes before they do any work right. at all. They're going to even and record all of the codes. Correct. Also, a good shop will always list all of the codes on the invoice. Uh-huh. That way there's no doubt. Because I had a lady come in the other day, and she says, I had a bunch of work done on my car, and my light's back on. I brought it back to them, and they said it's not the same thing. Right. I said, well, that's possible. It may not be. I said, what was the code original? I don't know. They didn't tell me. Well, let me see your invoice. It's not listed anywhere on the invoice. So you don't know what you Right. You don't know if you're going back for a warranty repair or if you're going back for a new diagnosis. Right. And that is true of any check engine or any... ABS any, or any, any crash control or ABS what, or uh, airbag uh-huh. or whatever it may be, you want the codes that the repair is addressing listed. And then, better yet, you want what they did to address each individual code listed out. 
Correct. on the invoice. That way you know what problem you had, what was done to address it, why they made this suggestion, and the fact that it's fixed. Now, if light comes back on, it's a totally different code in a different system. Then yeah, it's, just, it's a yeah, new diagnosis. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a new thing again. And it's a very, very, very incredibly complex system. There's a number of things that can make the light come on. Sure. Particularly on an older car, but even on your new, new car, car a lot of times. Yeah. yeah. Just because the light came on and you get that fixed and a few months later the light comes on again doesn't mean they did anything wrong. Exactly. It's sort of like with air conditioning work like we've talked about before. No matter what goes wrong, the symptom will be the same. It's going to quit cooling. Exactly. You can say, well, it's doing the same exact thing. Well, no. it's going to do the same. If the belt That's breaks. The symptom. Well, if the belt breaks, it's going to quit cooling. So I'll put a new belt on there. Two months later, the compressor goes out. Well, it's going to do the same thing. All right, it's going to quit cooling. If the condenser cracks and all the refrigerant, refrigerant leaks out. out, it's going to do the same exact thing. It's going to quit cooling. That is a symptom. Same thing with the most warning lights. It just means there's a problem. It mm-hmm. does not tell you what the problem was. And in most cases, there are multiple things that can set any given light. Sure. So, again, that's why it's important to have that written down. Same exact code, again, same exact symptom. Okay, now we're into a warranty issue. But different problem, different system, probably not. Exactly. I see we're just about out of time. I'm going to start winding on up, get ready to get on out of here. I'd like to thank our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Tell your friends, go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service, find a written view, and fill it out for us, please. Yeah, wherever you listen to podcasts, there's usually a place you can give a raining, raking, <clears throat> raining, rating. rating. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> later. And we appreciate that. It moves up on, in the ranking so more people can listen. It also makes us feel real good about what we're doing. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.